What is impossible with man is always possible with God. Our text this morning is going to be drawn from Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. May we grasp, may we grasp the magnitude of your word. May we understand it with our minds and our hearts, and may we do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In late April 1980, a small task force of helicopters, aircraft, and elite Delta Force commandos flew through a dust storm on a dark night to a remote airstrip in the Iranian desert for Operation Eagle Claw. They had an impossible mission, and that was the rescue of 52 American hostages being held at the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. But everything fell apart before the mission even got started, when weather prevented some of the helicopters from arriving at the rendezvous site and as the operation was being canceled in impossible circumstances, a helicopter crashed into a transport plane, killing eight men in a disastrous finale. The prophet Ezekiel was given an impossible mission by God. He was to prophesy the rescue and hope to the hopeless dead Israel. This morning, we'll look at Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. To Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to begin in verse 1. Ezekiel 37, beginning in verse 1. Now for many of you, this is probably very familiar territory. It's a valley of dry bones. Maybe you know the little songs for children about the bones coming together. Well, here we see the actual prophecy itself. It says there in verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. In these days in which Ezekiel lives, Israel was desolate. The northern kingdom had been carried away into captivity in Assyria 150 years before this. And now the southern kingdom of Judah has been conquered has been ravished by the Babylonians, and they've carried away all the influential and powerful of Judah into captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel's among them. Judah must have been in these days a vast graveyard of the unburied, the bones of thousands who'd been killed in the conquest of the land by the Babylonians were left out to bleach in the sun. Verse 3, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. God asked the Son of Man, if the long dead can live, Ezekiel perceives God can make the impossible happen. Now Israel seems to be dead at this moment in time. How shall she again live? And yet in this circumstance we see that a remnant is impossibly alive. Now, just for context, and maybe you've never thought about this, who's living where at this time? We've got some very influential people that put down their words into Scripture. First of all, we've got Daniel of the royal family in Babylon. And with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's going to rise to the heights of power. In reality, it's going to be Daniel ruling over the Babylonian empire behind Nebuchadnezzar. And when it's conquered by the Persians, he will rise in power in the Persian Empire as well. We've got Jeremiah the priest, 
who's in Jerusalem at this time, and we've got Ezekiel the priest who's in Babylon. And so God's provided to his remnant. God's got his priests among those who've been left behind in the land, and he's got his priests among those who've been carried off in captivity into Babylon. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The Son of Man is to do the impossible. He is to prophesy life to the dead. And notice we see a couple of times in here the theme of what brings them to life. It's not the laying on of sinews. It's not the laying on of muscles and skin. It's not the bringing back of these bones to life, but rather it's the breath that makes them live. And the breath here is the Hebrew word ruach. It's the same word that's used for the spirit in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. And so the ruach of God was hovering over the face of the deep in those days. As God's bringing everything together, as God's causing the dry land to rise, as God's going to then populate the world with living things, including men and women, we see that it's the Ruach, the Ruach, the Spirit of God that's hovering. Those who originally come out of the dust of the earth and who have returned to it are brought back from the dust by the Ruach of God. It is a double impossibility. Back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. And at this time, Israel's lying in the dust of the ground, crumbling and moldering away as a nation, going on to verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bones. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Kids, look at this. What do we have here? We've got Israel raised up from the bones. We've got all these bones that are crumbling away into the dust, and they've come together, and they've become strong bones again, and then sinews are laid on them, and muscles are laid on them, and skins laid on them, and they look like they're alive, but there's no life in them. What are they? They're zombies. The living dead. They need the breath of life. They need the ruach, the spirit of God. In reality, they need the third person of the triune God to breathe upon them and come upon them and make them living beings. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe, and breathe on these slain that they may live the four winds. Now that's interesting. This starts to get rather perspective here. We don't see simply that these, these beings, these people who are raised up, simply have the Spirit come upon them, just drop down from heaven, but it comes in a peculiar way. The breath of God comes from the four winds, is a peculiar concept that comes from the exilic prophets through the book of Revelation. In particular, we see it in Jeremiah. We see it in Ezekiel. We see it in Daniel. 
The Spirit of God needs to come upon dead Israel and bring her back to life and comes from the four winds. What's that all about? The four winds. The four winds are always associated with the nations. Think about that for a minute. The winds are coming with the breath of God. They're coming from the ends of the earth. They're coming from among the nations to bring life to Israel. What's that all about? We'll dig into this a little deeper and try to put the pieces together as we wrap up this morning. But first, hear the words of Jesus and ponder this. Mark chapter 13, verse 27. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Is this about something more than physical Israel located ethnically in the land of Israel? Is there something more to this? Is this perhaps about the totality of humanity? The breath of God brings life. New life comes by the Spirit. Jesus does something like this, personified in the New Covenant. Here we see that these dead bones become dead bodies of people. They live, but they don't have the breath of life in them. They need the breath of life. And after the resurrection, we read these words in John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on his apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How does the Spirit come? How does the Spirit bring life? We see how he does it at the beginning. He breathes into the dust, and then it becomes living beings. But how, as we go through the course of history, does the breath of the Spirit, does the Spirit come? How does it come? Does it just drop out of the sky, or is it something more profound? Life comes via the Word of God. Listen to these words, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God, breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work, the breath of God. How does the breath of God come? It comes from the Word. How does the Word come? When we get to the New Testament what do we see about the Logos, the Word? We see that the Word is personified. The second person of the triune God, the one who spoke the worlds into existence, comes in human flesh, and he speaks, and it's set down for us. And in a magical, mysterious, profound way, the Word comes to us, and by the power of the Spirit, actually brings life. The breath of God, says Ezekiel, is going to come from the four winds and bring life to Israel and take her from dry bones and make her live again. The breath of God comes forth through the word of God and by the power of the Spirit brings life. Verse 10, back in Ezekiel 37. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. The lifeless, the living dead, are made alive by the breath of God. Just as in the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. We've seen that. But then further and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. 
we see that process being carried out now with Israel. And note that it is an exceedingly great army. Israel will experience a gigantic resurrection. Verse 11, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. The whole house of Israel is the fullness of the 12 tribes which have been carried off into captivity amongst the Gentiles. They've been there so long now that they look and talk like the Gentiles. They have their religious markers, but for some of them, they may speak the languages of the lands in which they are in better than Hebrew. They are hopeless in exile. Verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Them here is scattered Israel all across these empires carried out of the land. Ezekiel speaks to them. Those who've been beaten down by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, who've been made slaves and exiles in faraway land, who have been reduced in numbers and are regarded as dead people, as a dead nation, shall live again and be brought back into their land. Let's take a look at the last verse we're going to look at this morning in Ezekiel 37, verse 14. Pay attention, because I think this is pretty cool. And I will put my spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. There's some very specific things going on here that would have been mysterious and seen dimly by those who heard Ezekiel's words in these days. Think about it for a minute. I'm going to take you who are dead. I'm going to bring you back in your land. I'm going to put my breath in you. The breath's going to come from the four winds from the four corners of the earth, the breath is going to come. I'm going to put my spirit within you. The spirit went upon and came and went in the old covenant, but the promise with the new covenant is the spirit is going to be put upon people and within people and will live with them and make them alive. God promises he will resurrect Israel and her land, but is there more to this? The coming of the Spirit within will be the ultimate marker of these things and the prophecies all across the Old Testament, but in particular, the late prophets coming in the days of the exile and after, what are they doing? They're prophesying that there's an age to come, the new covenant's coming, and God will put his Spirit in his people. The coming of the Spirit Wow, let's put all these pieces together. Because I submit there's more going on here than simply what might happen to ethnic and geographic Israel. We see that in reality, humanity is dead. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. The human race in reality since the fall is a vast field of dead bones. The Israel of God is a broader concept than simply ethnic and geographic Israel. In Romans chapter 2, verse 28, it says, For one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. The very things 
that a Jew thinks makes a Jew do not make him a Jew. But in reality, the true Israel of God is one who is spiritually united to Israel. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Romans chapter 2 is saying that in reality, the Israel to come in the new covenant is those who've been brought alive by the Spirit not the physical outward markers, but in reality, a change of heart. Those who've been made alive by the Spirit, who have the Spirit within our Israel and friends, putting all those pieces together, what do we see? This is the age of the Spirit. These times in which we're living is the age of the Spirit. And I think the reality of what Ezekiel is talking about is fulfilled and kicked off on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit is poured out upon what looks like a crowd of the exiles, Jews and God-fearers from all the lands who've come to Jerusalem have the Spirit poured upon them and then they go and carry that life out with them to the ends of the earth. And here we are this morning, brethren. Here we are because of that. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 Peter says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel as the spirits poured out and they speak in tongues. And in the last days, in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. The spirit's been poured out and been moving through this age God's moving through his people, the new Israel. God is moving through us. And the land of Israel is now the whole world. You're ambassadors of Christ. You're members of the army of God. You're soldiers of the cross. You're members of the kingdom. And it's out those doors there to the ends of the earth. What are we going to do about that? How are we going to spread the glory of the new Israel? When we lived in Los Angeles, we looked into building our own home, but we soon found that it was an all but impossible mission. One lot we found was located on an impossibly steep hillside. Another had a heritage oak in the middle of the lot, which was impossible to build around or cut down. And still another was surrounded by vacant lots so that it was impossible to get in and out of the property. Building your own home in Los Angeles was mission impossible. Israel, after they'd been conquered and exiled, were a remnant in an impossible situation. They were a people of dead, dry bones, and renewal seemed an impossible mission for the prophet Ezekiel. It seemed impossible that they would ever live as a nation again, but God is all about the inconceivable and insurmountable. This morning, we see that God is about mission impossible. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless us that as we walk through the valley of dry bones that is this world since the fall, that you would help us to be emissaries and agents of grace and life. Help us to bring life to the dead wherever we go, even this week. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.